Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southernness to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Kelly Center. We're in the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke is out today. We're glad you're with us. Wherever you're tuned in across the Super Talk Network or online, of course, welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of our program, and of course, Southern Miss Athletics, and a great place for you to take your family for dinner seven days a week, and also a great place for catering. If you've got a special event coming up for your church, for your business, for your family, uh, be sure you include Dickey's on your list of calls, and Dickey's will uh, cater a meal that uh, we guarantee you will enhance uh, your special occasion. All right, lots coming up this week on the Eagle Hour. We've got uh, Patrick McGee coming on the show tomorrow. Lance Ancar, the new strength coach for Southern Miss football on the show Thursday. And former Golden Eagle Colin Hest uh, scheduled for the show on Friday. But today we want to kick off the show with a friend of the Eagle Hour and now the new the new assistant head coach of Southern Miss baseball, Christian Ostrander. And Coach, first of all, thanks for being on the show. You were you were named the assistant coach of the year in Conference USA, and now the uh, new announcement regarding your role uh, with Golden Eagle Baseball. 2021 has been a pretty good year, Coach. Well, Bob, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, uh, very, very humble, obviously, I mean, with all that, and, uh, you know, and appreciative, no doubt, but, uh, you know, just uh, take it and then uh, move on, keep working hard, and get ready for the next one next year well there you go i had a friend ask me uh yesterday when i told him you were going to be on the program uh, to ask you this question which i thought was a really good one you've done such an outstanding job uh, with the pitching staff developing uh, those kids for the golden eagle staff you in your new position as assistant head coach will that role change in any way coach and, and what extra duties uh, are added to you now uh, well, no, I don't think anything will change. Obviously, I'll be, you know, right there with those guys and, and you know, doing, trying to ne- develop the next, uh, you know, Hunter Stanley, Walker Powell, Ryan Ock type guys. But, uh, you know, no, nothing changes. It's just, uh, it's an honor and a title. I mean, Coach Barry has something he needs me to do. He knows I'll do, you know, anything and, and so forth. And, uh, but, you know, for me, it's just, you know, again, I'm very, very humbled and honored and appreciative of that from Coach Barry and administration, uh, Jeremy McLean and so forth for, you know, feeling comfortable about, you know, putting that title out there. Well, you just named three kids that have been lost, and two of the three we knew were going to leave because of graduation. Ryan Ock was a question mark, and uh, he really came on this year, and I guess as a result of that, we have now lost him. Uh, how, how big a loss is that for your staff? And were you surprised at all that uh, that he left, Coach? Um, well, I wasn't surprised. I mean, you know, he got a good opportunity. It's just – you know, uh, it's there, there's obviously a gamble if you if you don't come if you if you don't take that opportunity, anything can happen. And and you know, and, and we talked very candidly with Ryan, you know, throughout the process, and we let it be known to him. You know, of course, we would love for him to be back, obvious. And uh, but at the same time, we support him and we're proud of him. You know, it's uh, to see where he's come. You know, in his four years here, to you know, to where he is now is 
you know, that's what you hope all your players get the opportunity to do and uh, realize some of their dreams. So we were very supportive and, 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 you know, shook his hand, gave him a hug, wished him the best. And, uh, uh, but it is a loss, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's an arm we'd all would love to have back and, and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, we I feel good about, you know, our, our guys. I, I really do. I think it's going to be another staff that has some, uh, you know, high competition, that uh, some piece, a lot of pieces. And uh, I look forward to kind of seeing how the, the, you know, the cards fall with them. Coach Oz, this is uh, Kelly Sander. Good afternoon to you. And congratulations on the elevation to associate head coach and that extra $100,000 that comes with it will probably help, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. You nailed it, Kelly. That's <laughs> it, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, the, the game of pitching seems to be evolving and I want to get your views on, uh, from a couple of angles. You see now more in the major leagues, A.J. Hinch with Detroit, the manager of the Tigers, comes to mind. He's got four or five very young, highly drafted pitchers, and he's made no secret about the fact that he is going to limit their number of pitches throughout their careers the first three or four years until they grow, they get stronger yet as they work into their careers. Do you think that this will be a trend that not only will continue with the major leagues, considering how much financial resources go into these young high draft picks. And do you see it working its way down to colleges where you and some of your colleagues will, will be much more conscious of pitch counts in an effort to keep guys healthy longer? Uh, well, you know, the first part of your question, you know, the major leagues, I think it's, it's obvious. I think, you know, what you said there, the investments they're making in these guys and the financial commitments – that uh, they, they need to protect them, you know, and because they want to get, you know, length out of those guys and get, you know, uh, get, get the years in with them and stuff. And to do that, sure, there's got to be some, you know, uh, some things taken into consideration with the workload and so forth. And guys are just, you know, throwing the ball harder and think, you know, it's just so much more, I don't know, intent, uh, violence a little bit, if you want to call it that, in pitching that, uh, yeah, you better monitor it. You know, if it's, if it's higher intent and higher workload, then it better be a lesser amount of volume you know, at some point or something's not going to give and so forth. You know, as far as colleges, I think, you know, to each his own, I think uh, everybody's different, you know, pitching coaches or coaches, uh, philosophies on pitch count. I, I would say that um, I feel like I'm one that's always kind of erred on the side of caution with the arms and uh, very, very few times do our guys get over that hundred mark. And if they do, it's, uh, you know, in a start, you know, it's, it's depending on how they get there and so forth. So, I think you got to monitor it, and you know, knock on knock on wood. Why you know, hope you hope you keep guys healthy, um, you know, is because some of the decisions you make and not overdoing them. And one one of the big arguments that seems to be going on at, at the younger levels too now is the it's it's a chicken versus the egg argument. You get a lot of people that say that college coaches and 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 the, and indeed the pros really focus on velocity when they ought to think of more about getting guys out. And I, and I use that as an argument with Greg Maddox, who's probably the, the most prolific pitcher in our lifetime, certainly was not a hard thrower. Uh, accuracy, obviously, changing speeds and so on. But there are those that argue that with the focus on velocity, that's what's causing more and more Tommy John surgeries for kids at a younger age. Of course, I contend it's just plain overuse. Kids need to put the ball down. That's you know at some point during the year, but I wanted to get your view on all that velo versus just getting people out. Well, I mean the the getting people out. I mean that's that's the name of the game, and, and you know you can have the you know the the hardest thrower and the, the, the guy with the best whatever over there sitting you know over there on your bench, and if he can't throw it over the plate and command and, and stuff, he's not going to help you a lot. 
uh, you know, and stuff versus that guy that knows just how to pitch. He might have a lighter, lighter stuff or, you know, repertoire or whatever, but he just knows how to pitch and plus and minus and change speeds. And lo and behold, he's a guy you're going back to, giving the ball to to get outs. But so when you can find the guy that has, that has the stuff and the pitch ability, uh, and so that's when you get those special ones and, uh, you know, stuff that really take off. But, yeah, I mean, you know, as, as for me and, and you know, and, and I, I always try, and I've said this before on the show, I, you know, I always try to err on the side of pitchability over just stuff. I'd rather get a guy that knows what he's doing, knows what his body's doing, knows how to command the baseball, and then help him grow, help him uh, evolve into uh, a more powerful pitcher, maybe let the velocity grow or whatever, but uh, versus getting one that has all the velocity and then trying to teach him how to pitch when he has no feel. That's tough to do. And that's the difference between being a thrower – and a pitcher, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, pitchers. Uh, a pitcher's a guy that knows what he's doing intentionally. You know, he's throwing it to this spot intentionally, and throwers are just kind of hoping to get it over that plate, and uh, you know, and, and not really working halves or thirds or up or down or whatever. So for sure, coach, it does seem. Uh, and I'll go back maybe ten years following Golden Eagle baseball. It, it seems like 10 years ago, you know, if you saw the clock show a kid throwing 91, 92 miles an hour, it's kind of like a whoa moment. But in the last few years, it just seems like almost everybody is is throwing uh, that speed. Why, why have we seen such an increase in velocity from college pitchers? Well, I'll tell you my theory. Well, one, I do think there's a lot more uh, resources out there. I think there is uh, – uh, programs, uh, weighted ball programs, uh, just uh, the resources that used for arm strengthening, arm care, maintenance, and stuff. I think that's that's grown, and I think there's a part. I think those are tools that helps with that. I don't, uh, I don't think that's the only thing by any means. Um, I think uh, you know, for me, and I and I might be the only one out there, and people might think I'm crazy, but I, I had a coach tell me this uh, years ago, and said uh, he said, oh, if you want to throw hard, then try to throw hard. And and there's a lot of truth to that, but guys that try to throw hard sometimes forget how to command it and this and that, but they realize, oh, I can't throw it harder if I try. I feel like that it's just become now where uh, it's it's almost like the the banister effect, or whatever, with the four, sub four minute mile or four minute mile, whatever it was. Uh, once it once it was done once, it started getting you know repeatedly broken and so forth. And I think now it's just be, kind of become more of a norm. Guys are trying to throw harder. And, realize they can and they're just kind of letting it hunt a little bit too i might be totally wrong that might have nothing to do with it but i just feel like that it's just becoming the more norm and uh, you either you, you get aboard with it and then and, and guys are you know trying to you know have that kind of intent when they throw and stuff so i think there's some of that but i think a lot of it though is definitely the resources that are out there to help guys you know get healthy get strong and so forth and obviously mechanics and, and body and, and weight room and all that stuff support coach short break got some more questions for you if you can hang around three more minutes absolutely okay coach christian ostrander pitching coach and now assistant head coach golden eagle baseball on the eagle hour we'll be right back Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And we're glad you are. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net on Hardy Street. What a great place for Southern Miss apparel. 12 months out of the year right now. They've got some summer stuff still there and football uh, 
apparel is coming in daily, so make sure you check out Kathleen and her great staff at Campus Bookmart and online at campusbookmart.net. Hey, Bob, can I talk about Campus Bookmart just a quick second? Yeah. Uh, getting some swag ready for the football season. You know, the nice uh, golf shirts like you have on now. I was, was going to get a yellow one, and then I was going to match it with some yellow shorts. And my son said, Dad, don't do that. You will scare kids. They will think you are Big Bird. I can see that, Kelly. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. A really big bird, too. We're, we're saying that literally. A big bird. Yes. yes. Right. We're talking to Christian Ostrander, baseball uh, uh, coach at Southern Miss. And, uh, Coach, we appreciate you hanging on. Uh, I got several things that I wanted to ask you about. First, I, and I, I think I know what the answer to this is, but are you at all surprised with success that Nick Sandlin is achieving with the Cleveland Indians? No, not at all. I mean, no. It's uh, it's been fun to watch, man, and that stuff. Like I said, I it, it works. It, it's there, and and everybody knew it. I think, and uh, all he needed was just stay healthy and get that opportunity. And uh, you know, he's doing it, man. That's that's just some dirty stuff. It's funny, you know. You, you know, after played here, you see guys talk, talk to coaches years later, and they still talk about like, man, I remember this game or that game and that guy, you know, and just. They said it all then. We knew he was a big leaguer then, you know. So mm-hmm. it's not a surprise, man. Not at all. What was different about Nick Sandlin as a college pitcher than, yeah, you know, there are a lot of good college pitchers in the country, but what made Sandlin different, Coach? He was probably one of the fiercest competitors I've ever coached. And what I mean by that, he would get in such a zone uh, mentally and just the look in his eye and, and locked in that he absolutely hated the hitter. And, uh, and and wanted to embarrass him. I mean, quite frankly. So he had just had that 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 was instilled, and that's who he was. And uh, and obviously the stuff was tremendous. But you can have tremendous stuff without that instinct, and you're not going to be a great. And uh, he sure did. You know, it was easy for Nick Sandlin to get mad too, Bob, because just about every guy was macking on his girlfriend. Yeah, probably. So. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Coach, I think I was right now based on what you say. I used to when I was watching him at. I would almost observe that if somebody did get a hit on him, it just really ticked him off, and it just it looked he looked mad in his facial expression, and he seemed to really punish the next batter that came up. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, he took it personal, and uh, like I said, he, he was out to to bury that dude and, and embarrass him pretty, you know, so to speak. And uh, you know, that's a guy I can remember vividly. You know, after every time a pitcher comes in off the field on the on the bench, you know. Go up to him. We'll have a little correspondence and stuff, or whatever, and uh, and just the the look, the, the the in the eye, in the face. You can learn a lot by where your guy's at on that. And, and that guy, you know, he had it every time. I mean, he until he was taken out of the game, or the game was over. That's when he finally right. maybe exhaled a little bit. Well, I'm gonna take you back to one day in particular, and that was um, that was the the week that Mississippi State came here to open the season and went on to go to the World Series that year, and you sort of surprised everybody with the announcement that Sandlin was going to start, and he absolutely dominated that Mississippi State team. Were you surprised at all by the degree of domination he could exercise over a Mississippi State in his first start? I mean, uh, you're going to think I'm probably lying to you, but no, I mean, I wasn't. I mean, we we saw that really, you know, that whole leading up to that season and, and starting to, you know, work him towards starting, you know, every scrimmage that we would do, and I know a scrimmage is different than a game, but not for that guy, you know, but, you know, he would be getting his pitch count up, but, you know, I mean, getting his uh, innings up, but the pitch count staying down, the stuff is staying strong, and then we thought, well, here we go, and 
it didn't matter which hitter stood in that box. I mean, you know, he was going to, his stuff was going to play and work. So, but it was awesome. I remember that very, very well. And, uh, you know, that was really special. And it just kind of started, you know, a great season. And, uh, you know, for, the, for us and for him individually, I mean, good grief, what a year he put together that year. Coach, I want to ask you a recruiting uh, question as we continue our conversation with Coach Christian Ostrander of the Southern Miss baseball team. One question that parents ask me all the time is, is as kids tend to specialize more in one sport, which I'm not necessarily a big fan of, but when you have at the high school level kids that are known as POs, which are pitchers only, as opposed to guys who pitch and play another defensive position and hit, statistically, is there any data that would indicate which is the way to go if they had a choice? Would you rather have a PO from high school, or would you rather have a position player, or does it matter at all? Well, you know, I don't, I don't think it, it matters so much. I mean, you know, like, personally, I, I like looking for I – like, I like athletic guys on a mound, you know, and so if a guy's a shortstop or whatever, and, and you know, when we sign guys like that, got guys coming in like that that's uh, – really athletic in the field and he can hit and do those things, it's probably going to translate over to that mound too. You know, athleticism and, and, and you know, a fluid, you know, delivery and stuff like that and, and stuff. So I think I'm, I think it's an attractive thing. I like it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, you know, uh, discriminate against a PO guy that doesn't do any of that, just pitches and he's good. You know, I'll take him too. But, um, you know, I, I do like the guys that uh, that can do multiple things. I just think there's something about that too of that – just it's, to me, it's the, the athleticism part of it, and uh, and I think you know guys with, that are very, that are athletic, it's easier to control the body and make the body do what you want, which is you know the heart and soul of pitching a baseball, making your body do what you want it to do, you know, consistently. Speaking of uh, shortstops that pitch, you brought a shortstop in to pitch in the uh, in the conference tournament that created a bit of a stir. Will we see uh, will we see that youngster on the mound more next year? You think, coach? A hundred percent. Not only as long as he's healthy, there ain't no doubt he'll be out there. And, uh, you know, uh, Dustin's, uh, you know, he's a fine pitcher. And uh, I think you would have seen Dustin a lot more over the last two years if, you know, maybe uh, our infield structure was a little different or maybe a little more depth. But we feel like we've, we've got some of those pieces coming in that we're going to have comfort in being able to pull them off short and let them get on that mound a lot more. Well, one thing that's going to change next year, too, is you're going to go back to a normal season, hopefully, and I think I'm right about that, where you – Mm-hmm. Where you have a three-game weekend series, and and therefore you get to play more midweek games. Uh, I think the lack of midweek games, from a fan perspective, it seemed to me that the lack of midweek games sort of hurt us a little bit toward the end of the year because some of your relief guys just really hadn't had a whole lot of time on the mound when it came time to call on them. Uh, are you looking forward to getting back to more midweek games and using those games to de- to develop the depth of your pitching staff? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's very, very important. And I think last year it was—it really was tough trying to manage that. I mean, you would find us here on Tuesdays or Wednesdays simulating a game, it, and, which is great. But is it the same? No, it's not. And uh, and I agree. I think when we got down towards the end there, especially when you're playing five games in three or four days or whatever, and, and a couple of those tournaments, I mean. Somebody's going to have to step up, and and if they haven't been out there in a while and haven't been consistent, I'm not making excuses for them. You know, we don't buy any of that. But uh, it's, it's it is hard though. I was a pitcher, I know. I mean, and being out there, getting some consistent rhythm and work is is uh, is important. So I do look forward to hopefully this year it being 
you know, like you said, a three game set on the weekend and one week, one, one midweek, sometimes even two midweek games on the week. I think it's going to allow guys to grow a little bit more and prepare them for, you know, postseason play. But the other thing that made it difficult, I would imagine, for you guys to manage your pitching talent is you didn't have really any injuries. This year, normally injuries are part of that puzzle. You're down three or four guys because of injuries. It's not as difficult to manage. But really, what a year for for avoiding injuries this year. Man, it was fantastic. 100%. And that's, uh, you know, you hold your breath every year. Right. Because that's usually part of the game. But that was, that you're right. That that added something to it. We we, we stayed healthy. And uh, you had starting pitching that really went deep, you know. I mean, which is a great thing, too. (laughs) But uh, it can, there can be some downfalls of some of those things, just like we discussed, with guys not getting consistent work. And as far as injuries go, where, do, where does the strength and agility program that you guys implement in the offseason and, indeed, you know, during the season to a lesser extent, where does that fit in to your ability to stay healthy? Oh, it's, it's, it's crucial. Uh, our strength coach, Todd McAvicka, and, and, um, and, and his assistant, Matt Gabriel, they do a phenomenal job. And, and Sven Pearson, our trainer, does a phenomenal job you know, with guys. And, and the things that, you know, there's always things that pop up, but stuff that doesn't keep them off the field is what we're talking about. But, uh, you, you know, what our strength coaches uh, do with our guys, uh, they invest in them. And that, that awesome weight room facility that we have and our, and our guys are strong they're they're flexible they're mobile and that helps keeping you healthy and uh we're very fortunate to have those guys you know doing what they do for us just a few seconds left coach i know jeremy mcclain was an outstanding college pitcher at delta state in fact i think the second winningest all-time pitcher in division two history has jeremy ever come out on the field got on the mound and does he still have his stuff you know, I tell him every time I see him, it's just time for him to get back out there and throw some, and uh, and, and he laughs about it and, uh, and then shrugs and says, "I guarantee he could." And uh, but no, he he comes around a good fit, and uh, yeah, that that dude could pitch. He and, could really, really pitch. And with him with him being the boss too, Bob Jeremy McLean being the boss, I would guess no matter how badly he threw an opening pitch, him, Coach Hotchner right. would say, "Man, that was beautiful." <laughs> yeah, I tell him that was ninety three. Man, good job. <laughs> Hey, Coach, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for everything you do for our baseball program, and we look forward to talking to you again really soon. All right, fellas. Thank you all. All right. Christian Ostrander, everybody, assistant head coach, Southern Miss Baseball, pitching guru coach. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank Christian Ostrander for joining us in the first half of the show. Great conversation with the pitching coach at Southern Miss, now the assistant head coach. This segment sponsored by a place Kelly and I know very well, 4th Street Bar and Grill. We've got great plate lunches uh, five days a week. How much are those lunches, Kelly? It, they're eight ninety five, and they've been eight ninety five forever. Yeah, for a long, and that includes your drink. Yeah, so that tax everything, right? Right. So eight ninety five, you get the best plate lunch in Hattiesburg. We'll go down there in the evenings. You get fantastic poor boy shrimp sandwiches and roast beef sandwiches, all kinds of really great food. And your favorite game's always on the TV. And uh, Slade and those guys are just fantastic. We really appreciate 
uh, our friendship with Slade. We need we need to go down there and shoot some more pool, Bob. Yeah, it'd be great. A little man. closer to the football season, yeah. maybe go down and play. Well, a game I guess two. the one thing that they won't have on TV are the Olympics because nobody's watching them. Are the ratings that bad? The worst in the 33-year history of them televising the Olympics. That's all I saw. I wonder, though, if part of it is because none of it's live. Because of the time differential. I think that and that may be part of you it. You know, because you already know the results if you're following the news at all. Because, right. uh, you know, more, when the things are going on in Tokyo, we're sleeping. Right. So we're seeing things after the fact. I think that probably has something to do with now, it. Now, we're old school guys, but we were talking off the air about, and I forget her name, Simone something, I think, the number one gymnast in the country, uh, has announced that uh, after finishing second in the uh, initial competition that – she is not going to compete anymore. She has to recover her mental health. Kelly, is this a this another sign of how soft we're becoming? Well, I think I think there was an ankle injury involved too, and I think she just you know added everything up, and it just didn't compute. Um, but but you would have thought that that, and there's a lot of pressure on these Olympic athletes. Now, believe me, I'm not making excuses um, for Ms. Bowles, but. If, if it's just psychological, if it's just mental, and she's been to the Olympics before, so as far as knowing what to expect, there would be nobody that would know better than she. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, the pressure has gotten to her when there's nobody watching. I mean, there's right. no, no fans in right. the stands. Right. So there couldn't be that element. Um, you have to take her at her word, but I think what you're alluding to is because the results were not what she wanted, she right. was going to pick up her marbles and go home. Right, and I do want to say I've seen pictures of some of these young people over there who have done well and won medals, and they're wrapping themselves in American flags, and they're representing our country. But the women's soccer team hasn't helped the ratings with all their kneeling and all their antics and uh, not coming out for the opening ceremony. I mean, how much? how much – do we have to put up with when to, until we just say collectively enough is enough? Well, the bottom line is the way that you is the only way any consumer in America can really voice their dissatisfaction is don't pay money. Well, the fact of the matter is Olympics are are quote unquote free on NBC and their family of networks. But if the ratings tank, then they're not going to be able to charge as much for the next time, and the Olympic Committee will be directly affected because they'll get less money from TV rights, and you know they'll they'll just have to say, look, you, again, you can you can believe for whatever you want to believe, but but I I for example and you are not this format of the Eagle Hour is no place for us to be spewing our political beliefs because number right. one nobody cares right and nobody's going to change their mind. All right, right, so there's a time and a place for everything, and when you're doing what you do, that is not the time to talk politics. I, I completely agree. Well, let me tell you who's not talking, and that is the commissioner of Conference USA. All the alignment taking place, Oklahoma and Texas now have made it official. They've asked the SEC to take them in, and that's causing a spiraling effect, as you can imagine, around the country. And it seems like, Kelly, almost every commissioner has had something to say and if I'm wrong, correct me, but with the exception of Judy McLeod, the conference uh, commissioner for CUSA. Well, just from the office of the Mountain West commissioner, uh, Craig Thompson, the Mountain West immediately engaged when we became aware of the potential for conference realignment. That has included gathering information over the past few days from across the industry. And earlier today, our board of directors 
convened to evaluate that intelligence and to discuss our next steps. Our intent is to actively appraise various scenarios, identify potential opportunities, and take actions which can positively impact the trajectory of the Mountain West Conference and our member institutions. We will do our work confidently and only comment further as appropriate or necessary. All right. Bob Bowlesby from the Big 12, who is most directly uh, affected by this move by Oklahoma and Texas, he has called a press conference. About every other commissioner in the country has made some type of statement, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on YouTube. They're talking about realignment and trying to reassure fans of their particular conferences, institutions of their particular conferences, that they are doing everything they can except crickets from Conference USA. Right. No word whatsoever, no reaction, no please, no thank you, no go to you know where, nothing from Conference USA. But are you surprised, Bob Getty? Well, I'm not surprised, but what I think at this point surprises me is, and you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the commissioner of Conference USA serves at the pleasure of the school presidents who are members of the conference. And you got to ask yourself at some point, and I realize these presidents are academic people and they're probably not that into sports, some of them. And you know how academics are, especially at college level. Uh, what are they going to step up and, and say, we've got to have some leadership here. We, we need to go out and find, uh, you know, candidate X who's going to provide some leadership and help this conference. An excellent point. And lots of times Judy McLeod is the whipping dog, you know, for lack of things going on in Conference USA. But she does have a boss. Which is, which is the presidents of the, of the institutions. Now, it could be very well that, that Ms. McLeod is doing things behind the scene that we don't know about, all right, to be fair. But you would think if they were doing things that they would want people to know. Of course. That we're taking a proactive approach in trying to sort out this mess, which won't be completely sorted out probably for another three years because Texas and Oklahoma, with their official... Uh, ask to be invited won't take place until 2025 that they will actually join but i would want everybody to know you know what's with with you know you, you you can't play all your cards and say we're talking to schools x y and z but you can say something and there's nothing there was nothing trailblazing in what commissioner thompson said from the mountain west he just said look we're monitoring it we're meeting we're but talking it was something it was something so we have no idea what Conference USA's approach is here, if there's any at all. And, and reason would dictate that they are doing something. But if you don't hear from them one way or the other, how do you know? Right. Well, I thought our guest yesterday, who was is a conference commissioner himself, I thought he really, he, he made a really valid but ominous point, And that is that he, he anticipates the Big 12 dissipating. And if that happens, then schools like Southern Miss are way down the pecking order to, to get in any of the bigger conferences. I, 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 when he said that, it occurred to me that, you know, what he says makes perfect sense, and that is not good news. And it, it, does, it does kind of present a glass-half-empty scenario. But, but one of the things we've always talked about on the Eagle Hour is that 
super conference, you know, the, that they go right. do their thing. And then everybody that's left, you know, kind of kind of do their thing. And if they don't want to do a playoff, they don't have to. But then that would leave the smaller schools to have a playoff. And it would give other schools an opportunity, you know, to play uh, on a more level playing field when it comes to finances and budgets and, and things of that nature. So the game has evolved. And Bob Hogue mentioned this yesterday. The landscape of college athletics always seems to evolve. And it always seems to turn out okay. So this is just a, a huge, heavy page that has to be turned. But we only can hope that Conference USA and that Jeremy McLean and his, and his colleagues, the ADs across the conference, will do what they can to make sure that everybody's uh, nest is feathered properly and appropriately. Yes, correct. And uh, I guess in time we'll see. Now, I, I read on the Internet, and Lord knows you can believe everything you hear on the Internet, especially these fan forums, you know that's totally accurate, uh, that the uh, Sun Belt may look to expand a couple of teams and that they would be potentially looking at Southern Miss and UAB. Uh, you buy into any of that? I, I've heard nothing that makes me think that's factual. Not at this point, but it's but anything you would think is on the table at this point, depending on, on how. Wouldn't you go for that to see Southern Miss move to the Sun Belt? Boy, I, you know, you hear people say all the time, "Oh, the Sun Belt's a step down." I don't think so. You know, but but when you look at when you look, the Sun Belt has even made a statement. All right, as as, mm-hmm. as to where they're going in this thing. So, and the Sun Belt, the new TV contract the Sun Belt got was more lucrative, you know, than before. Right. Uh, the Sun Belt, with some of the members that it's adding, you know, with through baseball, they, it's made baseball stronger as that conference. And clearly, the Southern Miss baseball team is pretty doggone good. So there are certainly some pluses to the Sun Belt, but I just want to hear from Conference USA. You know, maybe call it a child wanting to hear mom and dad, what are we doing? Right. Just something. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by D1 and D-Bat, state-of-the-art training facilities for adults engaged in every sport at D1 and D-Bat. Great place to take kids that aspire to be better in baseball and softball. They have uh, really state-of-the-art stuff. You were actually there, Kelly, for a remote. It's really hard to adequately describe just how sophisticated the the facility is. And and more importantly, the facility is top-notch for sure, but People sometimes think that there's just a generic way of training, but depending on your sport, I mean, they can, they can set up specific programs that will help you be more ideally in shape for whatever sport you're playing. Obviously, a football player is not going to train like a soccer player, for example, so they can tweak all of that to put you right where you need to be, and that's important. And just remember that 
during the offseason, in some of these sports, it seems like they go on and on and on. But you do have to have some downtime. Um, but there are things that you can do to, to stay in shape. And, and uh, the guys at D1 and DMAT, they can take care of all that for you. Some other little bit about a lot of things, Bob. Basketball season tickets are now up for sale at uh, Southern Miss. Jay Ladner's teams are already kind of working out over the summertime. And, and by all reports, they look to be a deeper basketball team than they, than they have before. There's uh, some uh, genuine excitement about uh, the basketball team you know, this season making improvements. And Jay Ladner knows that, uh, that there are some expectations on this team that they do get better. But uh, basketball season tickets open now from... Conference USA, the Outland Trophy watch list for the best linemen for the upcoming season have been have been announced. Colby Ragland, an offensive lineman from UAB, along with his teammate Sidney Wells from UAB, and Spencer Burford from UTSA. They have been named as Outland Trophy watch list contenders for this coming year. You know, obviously we don't know how the football season is going to shake out, but just by all these nominees and these watch lists, Boy, they are sure they are sure pumping up Texas San Antonio, aren't they? I mean, if if there yeah. was a team this year that they think is going to really do some things, just based on all the publicity and things that are that are coming out, UTSA is the team I think that they think might surprise some people. I'm not so sure about that, but it sure seems like that's who they're banking on. It'll be another unusual year, and that like we saw in baseball this year, you're going to have a lot of quote unquote COVID players in football that got a, a, an extra year of eligibility, and I think there's a lot of that at UTSA. And Southern Miss got some good news where redshirt sophomore Jeremiah McDonald, who is a um, youngster out of Slidell, Louisiana, who played a little bit at Northwestern in the Big Ten Conference, he is uh, transferring to Southern Miss at, at Northwestern. He was a linebacker, but it looks like they're going to convert him to a defensive back, and he would be a big defensive back in that backfield for Southern Miss, Jeremiah McDonald. And... Coming from Northwestern, one thing's for certain. He's smart. Yes, I was going to say, yes. he, he's not going to hurt the grade point average no, that's for sure. <laughs> at all for the team. So so good for them. Wanted to get closer to home and likes uh, the direction Southern Miss is headed. So Jeremiah McDonald from Slidell coming a little bit closer to home as opposed to Evanston, Illinois. So that's a little bit about a lot of things. Uh, Olympics will continue through till a week from uh, this Sunday, I guess. Before you know, it's all over with. We, we all have football on our mind. It surprises me a little bit to hear that basketball is working out and getting ready. But then you think about it, you know, about halfway through football season, basketball begins. So uh, Some of the basketball games in the past have been scheduled as early as the last week in October. Right. Now, they're usually against, you know, schools you've never heard of. Right. You know, exhibitions against the Czechoslovakian national team or or whatever. But they are games, you know, nonetheless. Hopefully we're going to get back on this schedule. But you just keep hearing these headlines. Here comes the next, you know, line of of COVID. And and now the CDC is saying today that even if you're vaccinated, all students K through 12 should probably wear a mask. No. Oh, boy. We thought it was behind us, and, and hopefully it is. But I don't know, Kelly. It, uh, you're right. And you just wonder. Now you now you got to believe it'll play a role in football when football gets started. I'm, I'm sure they're going to test kids every week. And I think we may be in for another season where we hear, well, this many players is not making the trip because of COVID tests. And we mentioned yesterday that, that 13 executives in the National Football League, including Indianapolis head coach Frank Reich, have all tested positive uh, for COVID. 
And so the NFL is contemplating, you know, putting on different colored armbands for the players during the season. And and on the sideline, you know, I, I'm told by guys who cover the NFL what it would look like is that the non-vaccinated players would be on one twenty-yard line at the sideline. Are you serious? And the vaccinated players are you serious? Yeah, that that they want to keep them that yeah, you know, and that would be an extreme measure if we don't get you know control of this thing. Um, so you know, who knows? You know, one, there's only one thing we know for certain, Bob, that the Washington football team and Cincinnati Bengals probably neither will be in the Super Bowl. We we know. We know. I think that's a pretty safe bet in case you're a gambling person. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. not you're not going to get real uh, good. There's not going to be odds. that. There's not going to be that much COVID in the league <laughs> if those two teams would uh, would make it to the finals. Hey, we'll, we'll you know we don't want to wish anybody badly, but as a Bengal right. fan, we'll take the W if that's, that's Cincinnati's best hope. <laughs> not even Obi Wan Kenobi, a final hope could uh, could help exactly us. Exactly right. All right. Uh, New strength coach for football, Lance Ankar, on the show Thursday. Colin Hess, former player for the Golden Eagles, on the show Friday. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald joins us tomorrow. We hope you will, too. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.